Never had I ever thought to myself, I wonder what Aleister Crowley, famous English occultist, and Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin fame have in common. That is until I realized for a time they both inhabited the infamous Bolskin House of Loch Ness, Scotland. Not only that, but they shared a few common interests, which may or may not have added to the Bolskin House history. I'm Christina. And I'm Kristen. And today on the Real Crime Podcast, we will be taking a trip back in time to find out if Led Zeppelin really did dance with the devil in the Bolskin house. So once again, this episode here, no one dies. Woo boo! How so exciting! So that's good. That's really good. All right. So let's go ahead and just begin with who these two guys are for any of the youngins listening. Um, now, Kristen, you are obviously familiar with both Jimmy Page and Alistair Crowley, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> just gotta, you know, I wipe almost my brow got on those um, Led Zeppelin occult symbols tattooed on me when I was. 18. I, I was like, it. I love it. I had all of the Led Zeppelin all over my wall. I love all it. the posters. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, Alistair Crowley was born in 1875 in Warwickshire, England. Uh, he's likely one of the most famous occultists of all time. So, he was an occultist, a poet, a novelist, and a mountaineer. Uh, so definitely so random, right? Exactly. The most interesting guy in the room every time. And as much as I would like to dive into his career as a mountaineer, we're actually going to focus mainly on the occult bits for our purposes. But I'm sure like he wrote tons of books. So there's probably like, I don't know, journals about his mountaineering out there, too. I'm sure. I, I mean, know. yeah, dig in. Interesting guy. Very interesting guy. So from an early age, Crowley showed little interest in traditional religious practices. Post-education, he traveled the world and studied a tremendous number of world religions. But once he made it to Cairo and was introduced to the Book of Horus, his interest in magic, and that's magic spelled with a K, exploded. In fact, he even began his own religious sect called... uh, Thelema? That's what I heard it yeah. pronounced as. Yeah. It so. literally translates to true will. True will. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. It's like finding your purpose, basically. Yeah. And and the reason why you're here. And began a number of will-based orders around the world. So the focus of his belief system was that one can will their true self through self-discovery and a focus on the great work which unites a person with the universe at large. 
The practice of the occult in the time of Crowley actually had a very powerful momentum, especially among like elite artists and scholars of the day. So there was actually um, an order called Ordo Templi Orientis, which translates to Order of the Temple of the East. Um, And that was founded in 1904, which was kind of branched off from the Freemasons. Yes. So it worked similarly, like with the different levels. Right, 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 right. Um, So the founders of this order, Carl Kellner and Theodore Roos, um, they read one of Aleister Crowley's books. I think it was the Book of Law. Yep, was okay. a specific one, and they were so... He was, he was very diverse. So, yeah, <laughs> very diverse. They were so impressed with everything that he wrote in the book and everything that he knew and his knowledge of magic and the occult that they, like, just took him right into their Ordo Templi Orientis. And, you know, you, you have to start at... I don't know, I think they're called degrees, but... Like Let's ranks. say the first, so first like, yeah, level one. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think it goes to 12 or something like that. And they're just like, you're number 12. But no. <laughs> well, they started him right in at like nine or 10 or That's something. Awesome. And they made him the head of like the leader of the European branch of the order. That's immediately. so cool. That's so cool. I mean, like he really was like the, the guy to go to the, the guy to talk to about all of this stuff for sure. So now within the beliefs and practices, uh, believers dove deep into themselves and called on the spirits of the world around them, both light and dark, to harness their true will and purpose. So like super esoteric, super kind of unique, bizarre. How do you know if you did it right? I guess you just know because you wake up as like a more, I don't know, a more better version of yourself. A more better version. <laughs> a more better version of yourself. That's what I'm going to go with. So these rituals and practices were highly sexual in many, many ways, whether in their need for celibacy or through autoerotic, homosexual or heterosexual behavior. So think orgies and then some, but all for the greater good, obviously, you know, like sex with a purpose. Gotta love it. So sexual excrement was actually thought to hold the same power as the Eucharist, which for anyone who didn't grow up Catholic, uh, is the body and blood of Christ in Christianity. And so just think about that, like sexual excrement. So I'm assuming like anything that comes out of you during sexual Mm -hmm. experiences, Kristen's, Kristen's grossed out. I can tell by her face, but either way. And then I, I, in my notes, I put side note, religion is fucking strange. Cause it is, it, it is, is really I mean, strange. Like, Cause let's also think about like, the, uh, the body, body and blood, blood of Christ. Christ. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, let's eat and drink the guy we really like, you know, like it's weird. I don't know. So many think of, uh, many think of his practice to be like satanic in nature, but at no point, um, would Crowley himself actually be identified as a Satanist. He's more, uh, I guess, a pagan, but like kind of the lines of paganism are a little bit wobbly sort of thing. So it's yeah, he had his own religion. So I mean, it's like let's its own call him a, offshoot and a cultist. What is it called? Thelema. Thelema. He's a Thelemaist. Thelemaist. A Thelemaist. <laughs> let's do it. All right. So now on to dear old Jimmy Page. So he was the guitarist for Led Zeppelin, at one of the greatest rock bands of all time. And Zeppelin originated in London, England. 
they were active from 1968 to 1980 and released some of the most well-known rock songs of the time. So like Stairway to Heaven is the one that everybody knows. I would say of all time. Yeah. Everyone knows a Led Zeppelin song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even absolutely. like the young. The kids. Like the, the whatever ones. the young generation is the now. Z's. I, I think. Aren't they Z? <laughs> I, I have know. no idea. What comes after Z? A. I know. But like. What are we calling the ones? Because is Cozy's no not Gen Z, right? She's no. like the next. Yeah. So I got to figure out what she's called. Because I've I got think one. You should. You should. Should start I? Should I, yeah. should I coin something? Yeah, you okay. figure it out. Cool. I'll figure it <laughs> Spread out. Spread it around. <laughs> cool. So, in fact, many of their songs and lyrics are deeply tied to the practice and belief of the occult. So Jimmy Page was an avid believer. He was also did a lot of the songwriting and really drove the band, we'll say, and kept kept pushing them to bigger and greater heights. So they weren't just some like garage band, basically. That that was And they definitely were not. Yes, exactly. Like he he was the driving force, I would say, behind that. So many of the songs really, really tied into that practice and belief of the occult. And Jimmy Page was an avid believer and actually completely obsessed with Crowley and his teachings. He even on like a number of occasions practice the rituals that were designed by Crowley himself. He owned like tons of literature that Crowley had written, handwritten notes. Like if it basically at some point belonged to Alistair Crowley, Jimmy Page was like, I need it. And I don't care what I have to pay for it. I have to have it. Lucky for him, he had all the money in the world. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So in fact, Led Zeppelin's fourth album, which Kristen referenced earlier, uh, actually pictured a series of images all directly tied to the occult practices. And they were each a symbol of, like, each of the band members. Yes, like, each representing what the band members were. And, like, Jimmy, this was all by design. This wasn't, like, ooh, I really like this image. Like, this this was all by design. He had a a deep-rooted belief in all of this. And so it, it wasn't just, like on trend you know what i mean it was really glad i didn't get those tattooed on me why uh well it just seems a little creepy um (laughs) knowing what they are i I mean mean, yeah that's fair that's fair but also they just represent led zeppelin as a band and they're probably the greatest band of all time or one of so one of yeah i'm sure there are people that argue with you there's like avid beatles people out there yeah. yeah, but, like, have you heard Led Zeppelin? I know. They also, I mean, like, I love Led Zeppelin, don't get me wrong, but they stole a lot of music. So did everyone, though. I know, I know. They It's just, they stole a lot of music. Like, a lot of their songs were, like, literally stolen from, like, uh, black artists of the time who, like, never got credit, never got royalties. But they may stuff. have taken the lyrics, but they completely changed they, them. That's true. To they, be unrecognizable from their... That's original true. songs like the the whole the levy break sort of thing like that was that was written by and it, babe i'm gonna leave you was written by someone else yeah which is one of the best songs in yeah. my opinion but yeah it did not sound like that no 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 it's originally. true it's true they they had altered them they made them theirs for sure for sure so outside of the occult what brings these two boys together you know that would be the bullskin house So the Bolskin House, originally completed in 1790 in Loch Ness, Scotland, where, you know, the Loch Ness Monster lives, was built on 
the land where a church once stood and actually has a tunnel leading to the local graveyard. Why? I don't know. Um, I was telling this Cole uh, to the story to Cole last night mm-hmm. and just kind of like, and he's like, but why, why at any point would even a church need a tunnel built to the graveyard? And I was like, I don't know. Cause they could have just like carried everything. I don't know. Over. So Maybe it's just that misty in Scotland the all the time. Down. I, I don't know. know. They go right from the funeral to the graveyard. They just slide on down into the grave. Gotta love it. So the story is that the church that once stood in the house's place, uh, there was a fire set with the entire congregation inside of it. And I guess the doors must have been locked, but each and every member of the congregation perished. There are tales of early caretakers in the land roaming at night, returning the undead to their graves as they had a tendency to get up from the graveyard and wander. It's it's one of those places where I think there's so much lore, it's hard to separate reality from the house, if that makes sense, and and the land, like um, the zombies weren't a real thing. You don't think? I don't know. They might have been. I mean, like, do you believe in the Loch Ness monster? Uh, oh my god! See, I I don't know. I a part of me, like, I want to believe. I want to believe in like that and Champ yeah. and you know, like Nessie and Champ and all the little things that swim in the deep lakes. You know, someone I heard said that Crowley actually opened the demonic portal or some sort of portal for Nessie to come through. That, that actually came through. Came from. So, and, and Cole said to me, like, when we were talking about this last night, he's like, well, when was the first sighting of... It was early. It was, I was like, it I was think before. it's before. Yeah. I'm like, I'm 99% sure because it, it goes before. back to, like, the native peoples yeah. of the land and stuff sort of thing. So I, I don't I don't think that he did that, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe he allowed Nessie to stay with us. I'm not sure. So weird. So the house, the Bullskin house, originally was built as a hunting lodge for the Fraser family. The home stayed in their possession actually until it was purchased in 1899 by Crowley. Then the real possessions begin. So Crowley really believed that this location was ideal to sequester himself, to to keep himself tucked away from the world and perform a series of operations, if you will, or spells, for lack of a better term, known as sacred magic. Um, And it was taken directly from a grimoire from... Abramaline the mage and I have no idea if I'm saying his name right because I didn't hear it I didn't hear it anywhere I only like saw it written so that looks like how it's we're gonna go say we're gonna say Abramaline um but also doesn't that make you think of like Abracadabra that's the first thing that came to my mind also it makes me think of like a Harry Potter command like yes Abramaline yes 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 (laughs) absolutely so yeah so Essentially, what he first needed for this whole ritual to start would be a house um, or a space, really, uh, that is completely secluded. So there had to be a door opening to the north from the room of which you make your oratory. So he had to basically create an oratory with a door pointed north. That's part of all of this. Outside of the door, there was a terrace constructed 
with fine river sand. So specific. (laughs) And this is the area where the spirits that you call upon would kind of hang out. So definitely not my house. We do not have any fine river sand and there's no place for spirits to hang out at my house for sure. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds like a good um, Halloween gift for you. Some fine river sand and a terrace where these spirits can congregate. Let's do it. I mean, technically we are very close to the river, but I don't think there's any fine river sand. It's like right there. I know. I don't, I haven't seen any fine river sand. Well, have you gone down to the river? No. Okay. Okay, I'll go get some fine river sand. (laughs) My God. So at this point of the, the, the point of all of this ceremony that he was doing, he wanted to engage with his guardian angel. So whatever spirit ruled him, if you will, and, and controlled him and moved him forward. So the ritual itself lasts and requires at least six months of preparation. During that six month period, uh, celibacy and abstinence from alcohol had to be achieved. So no sex, no alcohol, definitely not a fun time. You're alone in Scotland in a big house with Nessie the monster you can't have sex and you can't drink. I mean, what what are you doing? What are you doing? So it also includes the summoning of the 12 kings and dukes of hell to bind them and remove their negative influences from the magician's life. So Crowley starts this ritual. Everything is going according to plan. And then he gets called to Paris and, and literally... Is probably to um, do something with the order. Right, exactly. So he gets he called was, to Paris. You know, the leader. Right. And he's like, ah, well, I guess I got to go. So he just stops mid-ceremony after he's got all these demons, dukes of hell, 12 kings, all sorts of other stuff. And then he just pieces out. But he never, like, puts them back where they belong. So they're just, like, hanging out on <laughs> the terrace. He never them. <laughs> right, exactly. So he's just hanging out. They're hanging out on the terrace with the fine river sand. And they're like, well, I guess we live here now. <laughs> it's super, super shitty of him. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's just, you know they're going to cause some trouble. So he actually referred to this and his practices with black magic along these lines as having gotten out of hand. Sure, we'll call it that. And yeah, at this point, he just decides, well, I guess I'll sell the house because I don't need it anymore because I decided to stop the whole, you know, he's like, I'm not going back to celibacy and I'm not going back to abstinence <laughs> from alcohol for that another was six months. <laughs> I'm good. This is this is who I meant to be. So he sells the property to a Hollywood actor, George Raft. And George Raft was then involved in a scandal at the property where he was like selling shares of a pig farm that was supposedly built on the grounds of the bullskin, but the farm didn't exist. So it was like a weird, I don't know. I I, I guess it was kind of pyramid schemey. He was like, you know, paying dividends with the whatever. I don't know. So it's kind of crazy. A pyramid scheme with no product? With no product, exactly. Then after the Second World War, the house was owned by Major Edward Grant. In 1965, Grant committed suicide in Crowley's old bedroom with a shotgun. So there is a death. There is. Yes, technically there is a death. Exactly. There actually may be another one as well, but we'll find out. So... 
After this, a newly married couple moved into the house. The wife was blind. And after a month, her husband just walked out and left her like wandering the home, unable to make her way through and see. I couldn't find I out what happened to her. As um, he, they were the caretakers of the property and he died. And she was left alone, unable to. That's certainly a much nicer story. Um, <laughs> Maybe because... that was the child's version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. They're like, we're going to give you the PG version. They're like, well, he died. It was real sad. No, in this one, it's like, he's like, well, I don't feel like dealing with a blind wife anymore. So I'm wow. going to peace out. Then in 1969, Kenneth Anger, an experimental filmmaker with an interest in the occult, learned that the house was on the market and rented it for a few months. Enter Jimmy Page. So he hears about all of this and he's like, I have to buy the ultimate piece of Crowley memorabilia. And so he swoops in and he purchases the property itself. It was there within the home that Jimmy Page would once again dive deep into celibacy and sobriety and restart the once incomplete rituals of Crowley to truly be filled with the depths of that nature and the power of the universe have to offer. Or at least that's how the story goes. In reality, from what I read, he spent very little time at the house. It was mm-hmm. more just like the ownership of the house. Didn't but, he have one of his bandmates watching so over it? It was like a friend. I don't think it was a bandmate Well, yeah, that would actually make sense. Right, because he was on tour and right. everything. But it was like a guy he knew. Like, And the guy he knew had like a great time there experiences yeah he definitely had some experiences so it's it's basically just kind of this part of rock and roll history in a lot of ways and the gentleman that you were referring to is malcolm dent yeah so he's a friend of his and dent definitely entered into this as a skeptic he was not into the paranormal definitely not into the occult but he soon started to experience like really strange occurrences So after a few weeks, he would hear strange rumblings from the hallway, which would stop when he investigated. But then they'd resume after he, like, closed the bedroom door. So it was one of those, if he was looking directly at the space, it wouldn't do anything. I don't know. There was was an old cartoon about a talking frog. And, like, the frog would only talk when, like, the nobody was watching sort of thing. It was weird. Well, isn't that, like, the old adage... Does a bear shit in the woods? Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's like you don't know unless you see it and like nobody's ever seen it. Right. 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 So after searching the house, he discovered that the rumbling in the hall was supposedly the head of Lord Lovat, a former owner of the home, uh, even though he was executed in London. So I guess it was like a ghostly figure of just the head sort of thing, kind of floating around and rumbling. Gotta love that. Um, so Dent then, you know, would go on to explain when asked about it, that above Bullskin, there's a, a place, and I'm going to slaughter this one, called Eroji, which is supposed to be the geographical center of the Highlands of Scotland. Bullskin was then kind of like the nearest consecrated ground because it had that graveyard attached mm-hmm. to it that they never moved after the church burned down. And it's thought that his soul or or part of it kind of ended there just his head just yeah just just his head his soul and his head landed at bullskin which again super bizarre and like 
I couldn't even really figure out when he lived there and like what the tie was kind of thing. So I don't know. Weird. So Dent also experienced what he referred to as the most terrifying night of his life at Bullskin. He awoke one night to hear what sounded like a wild animal snorting and banging outside of his bedroom door. It went on for some time and it wasn't until morning that he actually opened the door. There was nothing there, but from the sounds, he knew that whatever was on the other side of that door that night was just pure, pure evil. Another one of his friends who actually stayed at the Bullskin house woke up one night claiming that she had been attacked by some type of devil. So other occurrences such as chairs switching places, doors slamming open and closed for no reason, and carpets and rugs rolling up inexplicably. That one's weird. I've never heard about that happening. No, that doesn't just happen. No, that's really, it's really bizarre. I mean, it actually failed to deter Malcolm uh, Dent from leaving the property, like, or failed to deter him from staying, rather. And so he continued to live there. And on a positive note, he actually met his wife and raised his family there in the house. I wonder if his kids have any stories. You I know, don't know. Kids are yeah. supposed to be yeah, able to see so things. they're so much more in touch with everything. Wow. Yeah. So after the Jimmy Page ownership, the... I don't know why it's so hard for me. The McGivelry uh, family. Do you think I got that sort of sure. right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Took ownership of the property from 1992 to 2002. They bought the house in absolutely awful condition. They stripped it down. But then Ronald McGivelry died in 2002 after it had been converted to a hotel. They refused to believe or discuss any type of demonic issues in the house. So they were just like, no, we're not going to even read into this. We're not even going to talk about it. After that, a Dutch couple purchased the property and it was once again converted back to a private home from the hotel. And given that it was only, you know, it was only used for vacations when a fire in 2015 happened, it all but destroyed the property because there was no one there to stop it. They didn't have a caretaker there. So that's the second time this property has... It's just like randomly burst into flames. Yeah. Yeah. The house mysteriously, or like the house fire mysteriously started in the kitchen. There was no signs of arson or a defined reason. And it had definitely burned to the ground in the past. So it's really bizarre. Today, the property is actually um, being restored and you can help fund the recreation if you have any desire to. I'll go ahead and link it in the show notes, but you can like sponsor a brick or a stone to help build up the history again. I think they start at like 250 pounds. What? Oh, wait, no. How much is that? Like 300 bucks. That's insane for one brick. Well, it's I don't know. Maybe it's cheaper for the brick, but like the stones, they have like runes and stuff carved into them like they're pretty cool i mean it's pretty cool um either way it is kind of cool and i kind of want to do it but i mean it's awesome like until the house burns down for like the third time because like it's i'm sure it's gonna happen so (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right so that is our coverage of the bullskin house in loch ness scotland we hope you enjoyed this and just want to take a moment to um kind of touch base on the fact that we've had a lot going on in our hometown of New Milford and to keep posted because we do have something planned for that. I think we are going to be doing a Patreon um, spinoff show essentially on the whole 
drowning in the Harry Brook River. So at least a long episode if we don't have enough for a spinoff. Right. But right. We're going to try to get enough for a spinoff. There is a there's a lot of information out yeah. there and it's kind of wild and it's some stuff that we've touched on before in the area. So I think it's going to be really interesting to kind of see as it all unfolds. Um, but I mean, obviously, our hearts go out to the victim because it's a little too close to home for, I think, any of us. And it's just the wildest, wildest thing and goes to show how terrifying mental health disorders can be. And um, yeah, so we'll, we'll keep you guys posted. Stay tuned with us and everything. And we will definitely tell you more. All right. OK, bye. Bye.